All right, this is Seth Sinclair here with Modern Da Vinci. I want to welcome you to our latest interview, this one focusing on a few key things small business owners need to do to thrive. And here at Modern Da Vinci, we seek to help small businesses achieve alignment of purpose with their leadership team products and marketing. So this discussion today is right at the heart of that. We have a very distinguished guest on today to help us explore this topic. Uh, let me introduce Brian Roberts, who is the founder and CEO of Croy Connect. In addition to 15 years of service in the United States Air Force, Brian went on to a very successful career as an executive in the communications industry. But Brian's current professional pursuit and the reason he's the perfect guy to have on today to help with this topic is because of the business he's built in his current work as a business advisor and coach. And this includes serving clients through uh, what he'll tell us about, CEO peer advisory groups, coaching them on leadership and business concepts and also through team building. So Brian, it's awesome to have you on today. Thank you. Uh, can you just start us off by telling us a little bit more about the work you're doing these days? Sure, sure. So um, as you said, my, my company is Croy Connect, and so what I, what I do is uh, work with uh, executives of small and medium-sized businesses and uh, possibly their executive teams too, but usually focus on just the, uh, the top exec in each company. And I provide a service I like to call it executive whisperer or a CEO whisperer. And really, uh, I look at uh, providing a combination of uh, consulting, coaching, and connecting. I've got a lot of contacts in the area, so I kind of hook them up depending on what their needs are. Um, so that's part of my business. But uh, a big part of it is really uh, working these executive peer groups through the Vistage program. Vistage Worldwide has been around since the 50s. And it's a program where you get uh, 12 to 15 uh, CEOs together in a room spend a uh, whole day session on each other's real-world business problems. Uh, no competitors in the room, so you can totally open the kimono. We even share financials and just about anything you can imagine. Uh, I've got three, three groups right now, two in the D.C. area, one in Baltimore, um, and I just, I just love it. The, uh, the companies range from, I'd say, $5 million to almost $100 million and revenue, and probably more importantly, the complexity really is about number of people, number of moving parts. So it's really uh, uh, anywhere from 20 people to 170 people is my largest, with most of them being in the 50 to 100 range. And they, you know, they're all various uh, disciplines. I've got accounting firms, engineering firms, financial services, technology firms, uh, government contractors, manufacturers, insurance. So a little bit of everything, and, you know, it's funny because uh, there's like 20% uh, that they all do differently, but 80% of the challenges and issues still come back to people, you know, hiring the right folks, uh, managing those folks, uh, being a leader, um, all those kinds of things. There's always a, a people play in this, you know, so it's very interesting. That being said, it's nice to get the diversity of experience in that room uh, because sometimes maybe the uh, non-technical person might ask a silly question to the technical person, and they say, well, I never thought about that, because you yeah. get the tunnel vision in your own business. So, yeah, and I just I just love it. I've been doing this for about seven years now, and uh, the executive peer group thing, and it's just uh, so powerful. I feel like I'm getting a Ph.D. in business by working with all these incredible people uh, every every month and seeing all kinds of business challenges and opportunities uh, every month. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome, Brian. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, for anybody you know, that's listening here, I actually at one point was a member uh, of a Vistage group. It was the smaller group, um, 
but it was tremendously impactful, and it really is amazing the way that uh, all in you know, these meetings you get both coaching and advice and consultation on your own business, but the ability to see into other businesses and not only learn from them, but also be an accountability partner for them as well. Uh, so it was a great experience for me. I uh, encourage anybody to check this out. Um, and Brian, just a, one follow-up question I can't help but ask. You know, business owners have a lot of choices uh, in terms of getting coaching. Why, why do you think the Vistage Peer Group is the biggest kind of bang for the buck for them? Yeah, the way I look at it, Seth, is that anybody can find a business coach or trusted advisor. You know, there's, there's many, many, many of them out there. But I think it's the combination of that plus the executive peer group experience that makes this so powerful. Uh, as you get into a Vistage group or any executive peer group and you start seeing the same people week or month after month, you really get to know each other. You really get tight bonds. Uh, you know that everyone's there just for totally unbiased and gender-free advice. They have uh, no, no dog in the hunt, if you will. They just want to make sure you're being the best leader you can and you're making the best decisions you can possibly make. And they know that you're going to provide them and be tough on them as well every month. And, and you know, and, and call, you know, call BS on uh, each other too if they say, hey, man, you know, a month ago you told me this, but this month uh, you're kind of going down this path. Well, what is it? You know, so that whole history uh, is really powerful too. And the uh, and business members stay in on average uh, six or seven years. I've, uh, as I said, I've got a group that's seven years old, and uh, four of the original eight members are still in the group. I've got another four that've been uh, in the group for over five years now. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, you get in there, you get tight, and uh, you realize these these people have each other's back and. How powerful is that? That's great. Uh, yeah, sometimes being a business owner really is a lonely venture. Yeah, very much so. I, I would say, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons. There's, this is the one place where you can actually come and talk about anything that's going on in your business. You know, when you're out there networking, uh, you know, you're putting on that best face, and you might say, yeah, business is a little tough. You know, we're hanging in there. Uh, but in reality, you know, all heck's breaking loose uh, back at the office. And so when you come to a, a Vistage uh, executive peer group, you take off that CEO mask and take off your armor and you're just you now, you the human being. And you say, man, if I don't get this straightened out, we're going bankrupt in six months. Now, that, <laughs> you would never say that to anybody else, you know, but uh, yeah. in, the, in the Vistage group you would say something like that because you're not afraid. You know it's not going to leave that room, and you know these people are going to figure out a way to make sure that does not happen. Absolutely. Well, as uh, you know, anybody uh, who's in the small business field, or even like you said, some of those businesses you work with actually are you know moving into that medium range. But you know, looking for ways to make breakthroughs, certainly Vistage is a very powerful option. And one of the reasons we're doing these interviews here is to just try to give them insight to you know, how do you how do you really make it to the next level. And you know, on that point, uh, just kind of transitioning into our topic today. We know there's a lot of factors that can keep a business, you know, a small business, emerging business, stuck in gear. Some of those things are related to infrastructure and process, but a lot of them reside in the business owner themselves. So today, talking about what are some of those personal factors, mindset, kind of limiting beliefs that keep business owners from getting to that next level? And so we're just curious, you know, what are, what are those top things that you often see uh, where people get stuck? I think a, a lot of it is um, uh, trust. Trust is a big one, and 
and also people have a hard time delegating for for all kinds of reasons. So those are two of the two of the biggest ones. I said you mentioned uh, process and uh, having access to capital is another one. So there's a lot of those kinds of things too. You know, it's not uh, there's never one silver bullet for all this stuff, right? Uh, but yeah. from a uh, from a leader perspective, I think it's it's uh, really the changes and dynamics as you're growing and adding people and adding complexity to your business. Um, trust and uh, delegation are two of the big things that I've seen. Okay, so let's let's jump in on trust. Trust is a is a big word. It's a powerful word. What does trust really mean uh, in the world of a small business owner? Yeah, I tell you, you know, trust uh, is the foundation of uh, everything in life, not even just business, but uh, in life in general. When there's trust, people open up to each other, and you really can become a team, but only if you're really trusting, you know, your, your teammates on either side or below you. And if you look at yourself as the leader being the coach, you've got to trust your, uh, your team to, you know, do what they need to do. Um, I, I know you're familiar with uh, Pat Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and uh, he, he, too, uh, shows that pictorially, if you've ever seen the pyramid, um, absence of trust is a huge problem, and that's the foundation of that, the pyramid in that picture. There's other issues like, you know, fear of conflict, lack of, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, inattention to results. Those are other components of the, the pyramid, uh, the, the dysfunction, various dysfunctions of a team. But, um, but, boy, if you don't have the trust, you, you can't accomplish any of the other items that I mentioned, you know. So first and foremost, when I work with executive teams, I say, okay, first let's try to work on this trust issue. And you could end up stuck there for a whole day talking about it. And you know what? Even if you throw it all on the table, you know, the 800-pound gorilla of trust uh, being the issue, it can take a while to work on it. I did work with one team where – we were hoping just to have a, a two-day session, and the whole first day was just on trust. And we realized that, you know, we're going to have to come back in three or six months uh, just working on trust for the next three to six months before we can move into all the other areas and really truly become a team. So it took a lot of work, you know. Got to have it. Yeah, that's it's no small feat. And, uh, you know, it's, you mentioned that book. I love that book. Uh, great frame of reference for you know, building teams, what does it look like to get a group of people working toward a shared goal? You know, I know that he talks about trust, or at least one aspect of it, is as a business leader or a leader of any kind, really, one way to create trust is to actually be willing to be vulnerable and honest. Is that something that comes up? I know a lot of small business owners, just like the example you gave earlier, may not want to really share all the inner workings, fears, is vulnerability a big part of that with the clients you work oh, with? I think it's huge, Seth. Yeah, you may remember from being a Vistage, one thing we talk about a lot is being authentic, you know, and just being open because people can see through you anyway. So, so why not just be open and lay it out there, you know? I mean, they, they, they realize you're human as a leader. You know, you're not infallible. And if they know that you're willing to – Admit when uh, maybe you don't have the answer or you don't, you're, you're really not sure of something, uh, lay it out there for the team to kind of work on it together. So, no, I think uh, being an authentic leader is uh, absolutely huge. Um, totally agree with that. And I push people on that topic all the time. So when, you, when you're working with a business owner who maybe understands that this idea of being authentic is important, but they're kind of, that, that might feel hard to do. How do you... How does a business owner learn to change their mindset on trust? 
Yeah, it's it's tough. You're right. It's not easy. This is something uh, that's really hard, especially for maybe some of our introverted leaders out there who aren't really good at sharing. Period. Right. Yeah. Um, but it really it really starts at the top, so you have to you have to start trusting. And I think one way to do that is if you do a good job of hiring, that can really help. Um, I like to recommend people have a very rigorous hiring process, and one thing I really like to tell them to include in that is to incorporate your core values into the interview questions and, and really probe deeply on that. Because I believe that if the leader hires people with their same core values, the company's core values, and usually in a small company, the core values of the company is the same as the core values of the individual, the leader. Yeah. Um, I think especially you have to make sure that your executive team is right on, on par with you. Um, and, you know, if you start realizing that, hey, they're a lot like you from a core values perspective, then, um, then you're going to trust them, you know, because a lot of times you know, one of the core values is in integrity. In fact, sometimes the core value is actually called trust. Yeah. And so uh, if you're hiring towards those core values, it's going to make it much easier for the leader to kind of loosen up a little bit and, uh, and, and get that trust. And obviously trust is earned too, right? Um, so, you know, it's gonna, it could take some time. It may not, you just can't flip a switch on this kind of stuff, right? It's, it's over time. But again, if you start off on the right foot by hiring, asking those questions for the core values to be in line with your, uh, with your company and with yourself, you're going to feel a little more comfortable with them. And, um, you know, they would be a reflection of you and your principles. So then they'll live and breathe what you live and breathe. And also, if you get your executive team lined up and then the management team lined up all with the core values, and, and really you need to be hiring for core values all the way through the entire company, but it's got to start at your executive team. So actually, I should say it starts at the leader, who then in turn has to start with his executive team. And we've all seen where you've had an executive team member where you maybe hired them, you're either fooled uh, or possibly – you were so taken by their knowledge of, you know, finance or marketing or sales or whatever, you bring them in and you realize, whew, this, this person is actually poisoned. They're, they're a cancer in the company. And you just, you know, now you have to find a way to get them out of there because they're just going to destroy your company. That's, a, you know, that's a, another book written by the same author of Five Dysfunctions called The Advantage. He talks about values and how uh, he actually gives the example of once a company can truly articulate their, their real values, not just their aspirational values, but the ones that really represent you know, what does it mean to express our business purpose here? How do we do that? He gives the example of a company going through that exercise and then one of the executives getting up and saying, hey, no hard feelings, but I don't belong. I, I, I don't belong here. I don't, this is not uh, aligned with the way that I do business. And so no hard feelings, but it's better that we move on. So it's an example of how the actual impact of these things can affect a business and create better trust. Yeah, it's funny you use that example because, you know, when I started Correct Connect back in 01, that was part of it for me as well. You know, the, at the time I was working with somebody and uh, I can't, I wouldn't say they're unethical or anything, but they just didn't do things the way I would do them, and I just always felt uncomfortable. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the guts that this person did. I, I had to wait for 9-11 to happen for me to really <laughs> take action, you know. I was just sucking it up and going through it. I knew it wasn't a good place for me, but it wasn't uh, incented to act. And uh, after 9-11 happened, I kind of looked inward, and I said, what am I doing? And, you know, I knew, too, that 
I always wanted to start my own business, but that was like the, the turning point. I actually looked looked in the mirror and said, "Man, this is just not me. I need I need to go create my own future here, my own vision." And uh, that's that's how I started the company. So yeah, so there's a lesson learned from that too, which is when your instincts tell you that something's not aligned with your values, that there's probably something to it. Something probably needs to happen or change. Yeah, trust your gut. That's for sure. Okay. So we got trust, and we talked about some strategies to try to build trust and the idea that it takes time, patience. Uh, you also mentioned the idea of having to delegate and how people get stuck on that. But why is it hard for business owners to delegate? Yeah, of course, you know, it does, goes back to trust a little bit, right? Um, but it may not be that you don't trust in them as an individual, but trust in that they'll do things exactly the way you would do them. But guess what? As long as they do it well and do it on time, let it let them do it their way. As long as you know it's not going against your core values or your processes or anything, uh, unless of course their their idea, their process is actually better than what you had in place, and then you just change it. That becomes the new corporate process. But I think you have to realize that um, everybody's not going to do everything exactly the way you would do that, and that's not a bad thing because you haven't cornered the market on all the best ways to do everything in an entire company, right? Yeah. Um, I remember one person told me once, said, hey, man, you can't clone yourself, you know. There's the, you can't have a bunch of you running around. It's just not going to happen, not, not from the standpoint of, you know, your knowledge base or whatever. And people do approach problems a different way, and that's a beautiful thing, right? There's more than one way to do things right. And if, even if you could clone yourself, man, how boring would that be, huh? Yeah. <laughs> have, a bunch of you, have a bunch of you around, you know, yourself around, not you, Seth, but you, <laughs> you leader. Sorry, I didn't mean anything there. That's um, okay. It would be horrible. I agree. <laughs> But I also think, um, you know, when you start a company, you, you do a million things, right? And you aren't used to having somebody else do it. So over time, you're giving up each hat. You know, you're wearing multiple hats. And every now and then, as you get bigger, you hire more people to, to give up more of your hats. Um, and, and it's hard. It's, you know, it's just hard, but you've got to push through it. And that's the kind of thing where I think, you know, coaching or executive peer groups or whatever help you push through all this stuff. You know, it's like, hey, man, get over yourself, right, and, uh, and do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm listening to you, and the word control comes up for me. You know, I, uh, as a business owner, it feels good to have control, but as the business scales, it just becomes impossible. Uh, control is a limiting mindset that you'd bring into uh, this, you know, business environment, and it's not going to scale up. Uh, if you insist on having complete control of everything. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and, and believe me, I work with a lot of control freaks, and I've been accused of being one myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the idea that most business owners, or many, there's a reason why they are where they are. There's some, uh, you know, work ethic or skill they have, and they've, leveraged that to get to where they are today. And I think what we see is this has served you well to this point. Now you have hit a ceiling of where that approach can take you. If you want to break through that and get to the next level, a different approach is required, and that's one that involves trust and a willingness to delegate. No, that's that's huge, you know. And, uh, and, and basically, I, I would say that, um, you know, you're, you're never – going to scale your company doing everything yourself. So you've got, you're going to have to figure out to, to give it up and do what you do best. Um, I've had uh, another one of my 
CEO or Vistage uh, Chair Peers say, he likes to say, only do what only you can do, uh, meaning primarily as the CEO, you know, you have certain powers, you know, you should be elevating yourself to eventually be doing the vision, the strategy, the leadership, culture building, talking to all your important customers and partners and keeping all those relationships alive, you know, trying to like elevate your, yourself. Um, and now it's, you know, it's true that maybe you're better at technology or operations and uh, sometimes maybe, maybe your company will grow better without you. I mean, what, one thing that uh, came to mind here was I remember back in the 90s, you may remember the company UUNet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're one of the biggest, you know, internet providers uh, in the world. And uh, until MFS bought them and WorldCom bought them, and I'm aware of them because I was with the MFS and we bought UUNet. But one thing I had to say that was so impressive to me is that the uh, this, the, the founder of UUNet, Rick Adams, was an incredible technologist, and he really grew the company like crazy fast, right? But he was smart enough to know, and I love using this example, he was smart enough to know that, man, I've kind of maxed out on what I can do and how I can grow this, and, you know, I need to bring in somebody else to really take this over and maybe move myself into the CTO role because he's really more of a technologist. And he brought in John Sidgmore, who just, you know, crushed it. So, you know, you can only go so far with the company on your back, and if you want to go, you're going to have to delegate. And and it's very possible it could be delegating the CEO position, you know, if that's just not who you are. Uh, yeah. I always uh, like to first, you know, have everyone focus on becoming that incredible leader. But if, but I have seen on occasion, like this example here, where that person really just doesn't have it. And, you know, the fact that they can admit it is, like, incredible. You talk about being authentic, you know, because get your ego out of the way. Ego can just crush a company, right? Yeah, so, that's uh, a great example, and, and, yeah. Yeah, it it really is, you know. So, hey, and let's face it too, man. If you don't, if you if you don't delegate, you can't even enjoy a, uh, an evening or a weekend, let alone a vacation. You're gonna burn out. You got you got to figure out some way where you're not, you know, where where when you step out of the company, it doesn't crater, right? You know, if you want to take a a week off or something, the company's gonna still focus. Well, can't uh, function, I should say, and it's not going to unless you are delegating properly. So, uh, I push push everyone to do that. And um, now you're getting me all excited here. There's, there's one, uh, one, one simple thing I love to do. This is like the most simple document I've ever put together. It had just a couple words on it. And it's a sign that says uh, that I tell people to put either underneath the, the uh, glass on their desk or up against the wall right where their you know, computer is or whatever, where they work the most. And it simply says, whose job am I doing right now? And I like to even add another one on there and why. So if you're sitting there and you're doing some work and you realize, why am I, why am I doing this? I shouldn't even be doing this, you know. I, I hired somebody to go do it, and now I'm still finding myself doing it. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, is it because you're a control freak or because you think you can do it better, even though you shouldn't be spending your time on it? Do you not have the right team in place? Then you should take a look at that. You know, those kinds of things. But I think that simple whose job am I doing right now, and also understanding that you can't be doing everything, right? You can't. Yeah. You just can't. So. And, it's, and at the heart of that, what you just uh, described is that leader, that business owner's willingness to be at least a little self-reflective. And like you said, and drop the ego for a minute and say, 
am I doing what's best for the business? Am I doing what's best even for themselves, but to look at that sort of in a detached way and to be able to say, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing here? How is this serving the bigger picture? So I, you made an amazing case for delegation, and I think you just gave us a specific tip, which was to you know, have this sort of reminder in front of you. Is there anything else you'd really say to a business owner who, okay, I know delegating is a good idea, but I just I can't seem to get over the hump? Um, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I do like to tell the stories like I mentioned earlier. I'll tell them a story or two of, somebody who did and somebody who didn't, you know, do it and they and you just crash and burn. I mean, that's, that's, at the end of the day, that's it. And sometimes by not delegating, uh, what crashes and burns is your personal life. All of a sudden, yeah. you're, you got divorced, you're not seeing your kids. I mean, just whatever. It's like, God, is it, why, why did you start this company in the first place? So you could just be a control freak and then lose all of your personal life? I mean, really? You yeah. Know, so... You just can't do it, and if you really want to grow the company, you're going to have to do that. If you want to, if you want a lifestyle business, then get into a lifestyle situation where you're actually enjoying your free time too. Don't worry about growing it, and that's fine too. You know, it's, there's a lot of people with lifestyle businesses, and they're they're killing it, and they're loving life, and they're doing what they need to do because they don't have the uh, the growth mindset. They're just doing what they want to do, and that's fine too. But if you want to grow your company, you've got to learn to trust, and you've got to learn to delegate. Okay. Yeah, that's good stuff, Brian. I think uh, so. The tip there is, you know, you got to kind of monitor some of these signs, like your anxiety level, the pressure levels, and that work-life balance. And when they start to slide, it's a it's a red flag popping up that tells you, you know, you're out of balance with this. And if you're not willing to trust and delegate, well, the future may hold some some really rough bumps in the road. That's true. And, and you did make me think of one more little trick that I, I that trick. Uh, Thing that I offer my, my uh, leaders that I'm working with, and that is kind of play the uh, energy energy drain and energy gain game. And mm-hmm. I just ask them to write down what what are the things that you do during the day that really fire you up and get you all excited and you just love doing it. And then I say, okay, well, what drains your energy? And so a couple things here. Once I want to make sure that what, what really excites them is also what they should be doing as leaders, but more importantly anything that's draining your energy during the day, if at all possible, all the things that listed on that side of that paper, the energy drain, you should find somebody else to do those for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if it's, yeah, it's taking away your energy from the things you do well and just from being a leader because it's, you know, it's exhausting being a leader of a company. So if you've got things that drain you, and I understand sometimes you've got to do it because, uh, let's say you don't have the, you know, cash flow at the moment to hire somebody to do some of those things that are an energy drainer for you. But, uh, but sooner or later, you know, you need to get those off your table. So you're really a high functioning, high performing leader and doing the things that you do best and that you should be doing and let other people do the stuff that you don't like to do. Because guess what? Let's say you're not good at finance. You don't like finance and it drives you crazy. Well, guess what? There's plenty of financial people out there who just love doing that stuff. So go get them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you spending time doing it anyway? You know? Yeah, that's a great, I love that because it's simple. I mean, that's something anybody can do in a few minutes of time is sit down and reflect on those questions and just write some notes. But the impact is very powerful. It's so very, there very you go. True. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Brian, as we wrap up here, uh, I was excited to ask you about one more thing. Um, you've got this really awesome idea for a blog. You've got it running. Um, you got your first posts up. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? 
Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty exciting, and I'm having some fun with it. So thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, I've, I've been thinking. You know, I need to be doing something, publishing something, getting my name out there, just like I push all my people to do. And uh, but I just told myself, you know, there's a million business blogs and leadership blogs and all that out there, a lot of content. So I just couldn't, you know, get excited about anything. And then um, actually, my brother about two years ago, um, wrote a little story about his company at the end of the year just to kind of do a recap for everybody in the company. And I thought it was kind of creative. He used titles of REO Speedwagon, the band back in the 70s and 80s, all their songs, and he just weaved the whole story just using the titles of those songs. I said, well, that's kind of cool. And I'm a huge music buff, and I like all kinds of music. I mean, just I'm, I'm a crazy music fan. And obviously, you know, classic rock's one of my favorites. And uh, so I said, you know what? And I started thinking about it, you know, after reading my, my brother's uh, little story over the next few months, I, I found myself thinking about songs and lyrics from song, song titles and lyrics from songs. I said, gosh, I can, I can weave a business story out of almost, you know, all these. And so long story short, I started a, started a blog um, called Classic Rock Leadership. And I, that's what I do. I, I'll take a title and or lyrics of the song and weave a, a real-world business story and lesson, uh, sometimes mentioning an old client or experiences of my own. And uh, I'm just having a, a blast with it. It's amazing, you know, what you can do with this. So I already did one on Hotel California, which was uh, about incumbency not being a strategy. Uh, I basically said within this story that unlike the Hotel California, your customers can check out and leave. <laughs> uh, I, I did a uh, another one about Dream On uh, from Aerosmith, and that one was one of my CEOs always wanted to move back out to California, and he just kept on putting it out there into the universe, if you will. And lo and behold, about three years after he started talking about it, uh, a company came up that he acquired that just happened to be in San Diego and actually almost fell in his lap. He, didn't, he wasn't going after it. It just really, truly fell in his lap. And he bought it, and now he's got uh, three locations, one of them being San Diego. And he said, you know what? Why don't I put myself out in San Diego? Because it's broken up evenly as far as the number of people he has. So he's living on Coronado Island in uh, San Diego now. So it's just, it's just amazing how many great stories are out there. And I thought maybe this would be a nice, catchy thing. And, and, and you know, who knows where it will go. But right now I'm having fun with it, and uh, it makes people remember Brian Roberts is the classic rock leadership guy. That's okay. <laughs> I love the idea. It's a perfect uh, combination of a personal passion with your business pursuits. And again, you know, that's something we always encourage our business clients to try to find where they can, like you said. So it's good to walk the walk and to put something out there that's got your personality stamped right on it. So what we'll do for everybody who's listened here today, we'll have a profile page that you guys can see with this interview. Uh, we'll have a link to Croy Connect's website. We'll put a link to the blog on there, Brian, and uh, people can come find you. Yeah, or my pleasure. Uh, this has been great. Thank you. I think uh, these are two, two of many essential topics that are out there for business owners, but uh, hopefully for, for the folks that listen, this gives them a little insight, maybe a little inspiration or a little bit of reflection on something that might have them just a little stuck and uh, maybe spending some time working on trust or delegation can help them make that breakthrough. So, Brian... Thanks again, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch and uh, hopefully working with you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Seth. I appreciate it.